Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. If you would, be open your Bibles. We'll begin in Ephesians, the first chapter again in just a few moments, uh, following up on the lesson this morning. Uh, we want to encourage all of our men to remember the men's retreat that is this weekend, Friday night and Saturday into Sunday morning at Whispering Pines in Gallatin. There is a sign-up sheet in the foyer at the Information Center and also uh, for those that maybe cannot be a part of the entire weekend, the fish fry is open to all men and it is Saturday evening about 5.30 and so if uh, you would like to come and be a part of that, you're invited to that there in Gallatin at Whispering Pines and you can see and gain information at the Information Center and also Clint McCullough would be glad to give you all the insight that you would need on that weekend. A lot of good things have happened this weekend, a lot of good things planned for this coming weekend. Be sure and find your place and for those that have been a part of this past weekend and the, the many uh, great Baskets of cheer that have been delivered. Uh, God bless you in that, and to God be the glory in that. Uh, we are excited to be able to think about a new year and to think about the opportunity to learn God's Word even greater in 2010 than what we have up to this point in our lives. And the congregation has really continually asked for daily Bible reading opportunities. And so this year, uh, what we have selected and uh, what the elders have approved just in the last 15 minutes is, um, or right before service started, is the one-year Bible, and it is an ESV translation. And if you've not read in this translation, you're going to like this translation. This is supposed to be one of the most accurate translations ever. And it is in modern English, and you will love it. Uh, it lists for about 18 or $19 uh, the, uh, with a discount of bulk rate, and then also the uh, elders from the treasury will bring in a few dollars to bring it down to an even $10. And so we will not have sign-ups tonight, but be ready probably Wednesday night. Be looking at the information center. Uh, very soon we'll have sign-ups for this, and hopefully by next week after next Sunday, uh, we'll begin at least the first order of that, and we look forward to continuing our daily Bible readings as a congregation and making sure that in our life, we're continually growing closer to God. That's the most important thing we can do in the life of our congregation, is individually growing closer to God. When we do that collectively, we're going to grow closer to each other. We're going to be more involved in the works that we need to be involved in. We're going to lean more upon God than we ever have in the past, but it can't be done collectively, unless we're willing to invest our lives individually. And so uh, if you haven't been a part of the daily Bible readings, maybe 2010 is your year. I know others of you can say that your life has been changed uh, and been strengthened tremendously because of those times. And, and for that, we're grateful. With God, we can belong to His church. That is a wonderful comforting fact because we all want to belong and especially when we talk about wanting to belong to God and to his church and this morning we looked at that fact of what does it mean to be church the word church ecclesia means the called and and what does it mean who are those people who are the called and we looked this morning at the fact that those who are the called are the ones that are called before the very foundations of the earth were laid the called were in the mind of God. 
He didn't predestine individuals, but he predestined that plan. And he predestined that those, the fact that those individuals would be adopted into his family. They would be his children. He predestined the fact that they would have an inheritance in heaven for an eternity. Also, we saw that they are the called out. In other words, we're in the depths of the world. We're separated from God. Sin is separating us from God. And the called are those that have responded by saying, God... I want forgiveness. God, I want you to redeem me. I want to be saved. And they have responded to God's grace by obeying the plan of salvation that He has offered to us. But tonight, I want us to continue as we think about called from. What are we called from? Look with me if you will in your Bibles again to Ephesians, the first chapter. We read verse 4 this morning, but I'd like for you to notice the last half of verse 4. We concentrated especially upon the predestination that's in Christ in verse 4. But now notice what we're called from. Ephesians 1 and 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Notice this. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Now, this is interesting to me from two aspects. One is a simple teaching here that is taught that once we have been called from the world, and in the world we're in corruption and the lust that, that leads us into that darkness of the kingdom of heaven. But when we're called from, we leave that, and, and what do we do? We come to a life that, as he notes here, it is holy and without blame with him in love. Now, when we think about the holiness, as we talked about this morning, holy and sanctified are very similar or the same in its root word. In other words, we have been called from the, the world and we are set apart. But this setting apart is because we are owned by God now. Now we are His special people. And so this holiness is a result of us being owned by God, ready for God's service. Now, this is real interesting to me to think about that in verse 4, he is still writing this under the mindset of before the foundations of the earth were laid, God said, I'm going to call my people, and you know what they're going to be? They're going to be holy. They're going to be without blame. Now, this was before Adam and Eve was ever created. Now, you want to go to the other side of time? That was before time. That was before Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. That took place before time. Now let's go to the other end. Let's go beyond time. Here in this very same book, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we get a glimpse of what Jesus is going to deliver to the Father when time is no more. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we usually think of this passage of the last half of the fifth chapter because it deals with husbands and wives and it's one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible dealing with husbands and wives and in our mind he elevates the marital status to a very wonderful thing as he says it's like Christ and his church but I'd like for you to notice especially verse 26 and 27 He's been talking in 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Now keep in mind, who's the church? The church is the called out. So he loved the called and he gave himself for her. Notice this, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. Who's the her? It's the called out. It's the church with the washing of the water by the word. See, that's a reference to baptism followed uh, by the fact that it is taught in the word of God. But now notice this as we complete this sentence in 27 that he might present her, that's the church, the called out, to himself a glorious called out, glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be what? Holy and without blemish. 
In Ephesians, the first chapter, before time existed, in the mind of God, he said, my chosen, they're going to be holy and without blemish. Now time is no more. The judgment day has come. All of those who are on the left side, he said, depart from me, for I never knew you. Those who are on the right side, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, teaches us that he is going to deliver those that are on the right side, that are part of the kingdom, he's going to deliver those to the Father. Well, what did he say right here? He calls those that he's delivering to the Father the glorious church. Those who are called out. Who are they? They are the ones who have lived without blemish. In other words, they have been redeemed. They are owned by God. And they are living a life that is holy. A life that is set apart from the world. I don't know if simple things like that intrigue you, but... When I study the Bible and see passages fit together like that, that's beautiful. God tells us before, they're going to be holy. After time, that's who I'm delivering, the holy. But now here's the question. What about during time? That's where you and I live right now. We live in the realm of time. So how do we become holy right now? I'd like for us to kind of stack two or three passages just back to back and then kind of sew them all together here because we literally can make one lesson out of this whole thing and obviously we don't have time for that right now. But if you will, look with me to 1 Peter, the first chapter. I'd like to read 14, 15, and 16 and and then we will uh, look immediately to a couple other passages. As we're reading these, especially notice how God would define the holy. 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 14 as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Now keep in mind, the called are those who are called from what? The former lust in your ignorance. But he who called you is holy. You also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Isn't that interesting? He who called you, who's the church? The church is the called. They are called from an unholy place. They are called to the Lord to be holy. They are to leave the corruption of the world and the lust. That's our sinful desire that keeps us there. We're to put that sinful desire behind. We crucify the old man of flesh. Now we live by the Spirit. Now we live by the fruit of the Spirit are produced in our life. Now not that sinful nature. Look with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter. 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter. I'd like for you to notice verse 23 and 24. As you get there, you'll notice that we have several of those little three, four, five sentence, uh, five-word sentences uh, in the latter part of 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter. Uh, he's told us to do things like rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now notice 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Remember what sanctification is? It's that holiness. It's being set apart. Sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, now we're back to that holy and blameless again, at the what? At the coming of our Lord Jesus. We live that life now so that when Jesus comes back again, that's how we're found. Once Jesus comes back again, it's too late to make changes. 
And so if, if we want to be ready when time is no more, we have to be ready now for that time. Now, notice as he says in 24, he who calls you, who are the called? Those that answer it. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Listen, he can take the called and he can present us to the father. He's faithful. He'll do it. Remember we talked this morning about his promises. He's faithful. He'll do it. You know, when God talks about that we're saved by grace, there would be some here that would say, preacher, you don't understand. You don't know all the things I've done in my life. I can't believe that God would ever save me. He's faithful. He will do it. Friend, every promise that God has made is more certain than your word. It's more certain than your very being. He is faithful. And so the question is, will we respond to this God who is holy, asking us to leave that life so that we can be more like Him in holiness? I'd like for you to turn to 2 Peter, the first chapter. 2 Peter, the first chapter, in verse 3 and 4, and I don't think we have a slide for that one, but as we're reading this, let's go ahead and look at this chart on this next slide. And um, if I'm at the right place, do we have a little... Okay, now... Some of you may remember, I actually pulled this particular chart out from a sermon that was probably about 18 months to two years ago. And what this is, is at, at the top of this, we see that God is holy. And so we think about the realm of God above us. And then we think about the earth below God. And, and the earth is in the dominion of the darkness. It's a very corrupt place to live. And, and we can live there. We can stay there but we will not be sanctified. In other words, if the world is here, we have to be set apart from the world. How can we do that? Please notice this. Nobody can do that on their own. This holiness or this sanctification can only come from the divine nature of God. It's like the sun reflecting against the moon and the light of the moon reflecting down to the earth. The Son is our divine nature and we can choose to be a reflection of Him so that we can be a good example to the world or we can simply stay in the world and be the darkness with the world. As, as we think about this, just notice this reading here in 2 Peter, the first chapter, and in verse 3 and 4. I'm, I'm going to be reading, and if, if you're reading along with me in the Pew Bible, it'll be around 1,079, 1,079. Notice in, in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Escape. We're being held there. It's our lust. It's the power of Satan. It holds us there. We have to decide, do I want to be the called, called from this place of corruption? The only way I can do it is answer the call of the Lord to say, Lord, as you just taught me, you're holy. I want to be holy. Lord, right now, my arms are intertwined with the world. I want to be set apart. 
I want to be owned by you. That was the second point this morning. Out. We have been redeemed. Now we've been bought by God. I want to be owned by you. I want to be set apart. Now I'm no longer like the world. It's a beautiful thought to think that the called are those who are ready to leave behind and move from those sinful ways. Because those sinful ways are the things that hurt us. I want you parents to think about Maybe there's something in the life of your parenting that if you had it to do all over again, that was one day you'd love to remove. You hate that you ever said that, that you ever did that, and if you could rewind time, you'd never do that. Who provoked you to do that, God or Satan? I want you to think about in your your relationship of marriage. Maybe there's a day, an occasion, a time that you say, if I could rewind time, I would never, ever do that again. Who urged you to do that? God or Satan? I want you to think about friendships or business decisions or decisions dealing with unethical behavior. Sometime in your past where you said, if I could just rewind time, that would be one thing I would never do. Who urged you to do that? It wasn't God. It was Satan. Friends, Satan is the one who makes our life miserable and God is the answer. We can't live life on our own. We're either under the influence of Satan in the world or we're under the influence of God. We can leave that. We can move from that. But also, when you move from something, you're called to something. So look with me, if you will, back to our text of Ephesians, the first chapter. And I'd like for you to notice, especially verse 5, we have... We have a scripture reading involving the fourth and fifth verse of Ephesians, uh, the first chapter. But for time's sake, I'd like to take you right down to verse 5. And and notice, again, he's talking about predestination here. But we want to see another point that's made in the midst of verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to, notice that, to himself. So we are brought to himself. Self, according to the good pleasure of his will. Isn't that a beautiful thought that we are literally brought to a relationship with the Father and with the Son? They don't sit up in some, some castle where they do not want any dealings with mankind. And one day when we get to heaven, there's going to be two tiers and they're going to be in the upper tier and and the lowly beings such as us will never be in the presence of God. God is calling us to Him right now. And He wants to live with us in in presence, us in His presence for an eternity. Look with you, if you will, also to 1 Thessalonians. I'd like for you to see it again in 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter. We have the three that are writing this book of 1 Thessalonians mentioned of Paul, Savanus, and Timothy. And then notice as he says, this is 1 Thessalonians 1 and 1. He says, to the church of the Thessalonians, where is that church? In God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to Jesus. We are the church that is in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are powerful, powerful facts of of information that lets us know that God wants a relationship with us that is real. It's significant in our life because it's significant to Him. 
You know, the book of 1 John, if you've not read the book of 1 John lately, I want to entice you to read that. And as you do that, I want you to think about what kind of relationship does God want with me? And tonight, for just a few minutes, I'd like for us to scan about four verses to ultimately these verses are going to lead us to see where we're going. When we say we're the called, we're the called to, to God, to be in Him, to be in His Son. It, it, it's a wonderful relationship that He wants. Look at the first chapter in verse 3, and there's so many in First John we could read. But look at 1 and 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ who do you like to be with can you honestly say I love fellowship with God we're not being corny seriously can you say that oh I I tell you I've got some best friends I've got family but I tell you I really love to spend time with I love fellowship with God Hopefully all of us can say that because that's what God calls us to. He calls us to Him. Look at the second chapter in verse 28. Second chapter in 28. And now, little children, abide where? Abide in Him. That when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Doesn't it make sense that if you are comfortable and, and you are righteous... You are sanctified in your relationship with Him right now that it just makes sense that when He comes again, you're not going to be afraid. You're not going to be running for a cave somewhere saying, let me hide. If you are in Him now, when He comes again, you're going to have confidence. Thank God. I've looked forward to this. I've talked with God about this every day for the last several years. I've meditated upon this moment. I've prayed about this moment. I've lived my life for this moment. Friends, if we're not called into Him, we're missing. We're missing so, so very important aspect of Christianity. Look at the third chapter in verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called. We're called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. The world's never going to understand the relationship we're talking about. They don't know Christ. They can't understand the relationship that we want to be children of God. That's all right. That's just the way it is. But it doesn't change how desperately we want it. And then finally here in 1 John, look in the 5th chapter in verse 11. This really sums up this point. The 5th chapter in verse 11. And this is the testimony. In other words, by now, John is an old, old apostle. And he loves the children of God so much, he talks to them like they're his little children. And and imagine this, he's saying, I've got a testimony I've got to give to you. That God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Surely everybody here would say, I want eternal life. There's only one place that's found, in Him. We have to be called from the world and to Him. But then finally tonight, I'd like for you to think with me about being called under. Go back, if you will, to Ephesians, the first chapter. Ephesians, the first chapter, and notice verse 8 and 9. Ephesians 1, 8 and 9, and he says, "...which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed to himself." God's wisdom and God's prudence have been revealed to us. 
The idea of wisdom and prudence, the two kind of overlap. But it's, it's the idea of and when we're wise about something, we truly understand what's taking place. And the idea of prudence is we can make decisions that are appropriate in that particular situation. God truly understands what's happening in our life. He has revealed to us what we need to know about how to deal with the life that we're living right now. Listen, God never goes out of date. His direction is never last year's issue. He gives us everything that we need to know. And we're called, we're called under a direction from God. In other words, we're called under the word of God. That's the authority in our life. And notice again, if you will, there back in verse 9, he talked about having made known to us the mystery of his will. The way mystery is used in the New Testament, almost every time it's speaking about that that was unknown that now has been revealed and it has been known. In other words, previously it was a mystery, it was unknown. Look in this very same book in Ephesians the third chapter. Ephesians the third chapter. Look in verse 3 and 4 and we're going to start bringing this to a close. I know that between Sunday morning and Sunday night we have covered a lot of passages and and I appreciate your patience in in this study. Look in the third chapter. Notice how in the third chapter in verse 3 and by the way coming out of the end of the second chapter of Ephesians he's talked about this wall, this barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles that's been torn down. To you and I that may not seem like a big deal. Trust me, that was a huge deal that now there was, there was going to be unity between the Jews and the Gentiles. They were having a hard time grasping that. They couldn't fathom that. Some of the Jews, well, some of the Gentiles couldn't either. They, they just had such a difficult time. And so this section right here, Paul's literally going to say, look, this isn't my thinking. This is what's been revealed. Look in verse 3. How that by revelation, he has been made known to me the mystery, and now parentheses, as I briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, close parentheses. You hear what he's saying? He says, listen, what I'm telling you was revealed miraculously from God. We call that inspiration. Because he took that message and he says, I wrote it down. And then he says, when you read what I've written, you understand what I know. That's inspiration being comprehended by the average reader that picks it up and says, I know what God's plan is now. Do you realize we are called out of the world and it's not by some human philosophy that's just pretty good advice. We're not called out by something that is most of the time correct. We are called out by the word of God. It's accurate every time. And we live our life under this word. That's why in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration. And we see in 17 that it can thoroughly equip to complete an individual for every good work. I'd like to close with a passage that is not, I don't think I have it as a slide, but as, as I was looking back over this lesson this afternoon, there was a passage that just came to my mind. I thought, you know, that one phrase really discusses everything that we've discussed today. And it'll depend what translation you're reading out of. But, but look, if you will, in 1 Peter, the second chapter, it's on page 1076 in the Bible that's in your pew. And I'd like for you to look in 1 Peter, the second chapter in verse 9. 1 Peter, the second chapter in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, 
Remember this morning? We've talked quite a bit about, about the predestination. This particular generation, God has predestined that way. Now, ultimately, what this is talking about is the church. Do you realize what we're part of is so much more important than just us today in 2009 in Mount Juliet? It's been the mind of God since before time. A royal priesthood, royal priesthood, a holy nation. Remember, we, we've studied about being set apart. Holy nation. And notice this. This is the phrase that made me think of this passage. His own, O-W-N, His own special people. Who are the called? The called are those that have said, Lord, I no longer want to make my life about me. I want you to purchase me. I want you to redeem me. I answer your calling. I want to be the called. Now you own me. Now I'm your own, not just anybody, I'm your own special people. Tonight, there's a lot of things that we want to be in our lives. Good family members, good neighbors, good workers. Good friends. But you know what takes care of all that? Is to make sure that we're God's special people. Tonight, I hope and pray that we love the church. And that we don't ever sell out the church. And that we don't ever take lightly our commitment to the church. That we would give anything that the Lord would ask us for Him and His church. There's not an organization like it. Never has been and never will be. It's God's special people. It's the called out. And tonight, if you're not a part of His plan, His people, wouldn't it be a wonderful time to become a part of His special people. As a believer willing to repent and confess and be baptized, why not this evening? Maybe you have begun that journey and you've left His people and you want to come back to His people tonight. We would rejoice following the lead of the Heavenly Father and the angels. And if we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.